Roo chases and Kangaroo chases and Wheelaroo chases. I guess the Wheelaroos aren't the best team. So what do we chase? We chase France. I think they're the best team. It's another week of the Rugby League World Cup. All three World Cups are on at the same time, which means I need to bring in my expert, Michael Carboni. He's not an expert in any of this anymore. We need to go for the top. And the top means Mary Constantopoulos is live from York. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that introduction, Mike. Michael Carboni, we still love you, but I am very happy to be in the UK at the moment and very happy to be chasing kangaroos, jillaroos, wheelaroos. What's the French wheelchair team called? Do they have a name? Les Kangaroos do... What's wheel in French? I can't remember what wheel is in French. I don't know. But apparently they're the best, though we haven't seen them yet. And we have seen England and we have seen Australia, Ireland and Spain. So, well, actually, I was going to say, with no further ado, let's talk about the footy. But let's let's park that for a minute. I believe you are now a ghost chaser, (laughs) not a kangaroo chaser. Yes, I am a ghost chaser. So as many of you know, the Jillaroos are staying in York at the moment with most of their games here in York. So I'm also staying in York. I had the day off yesterday and was just enjoying doing a couple of really touristy things, including a ghost tour last night, which was really cool. Like York has a lot of history and it was great to get to know that history during the day, but also to hear some of those spooky stories at night. It is good. I did one in Edinburgh when I was a kid and it was brilliant. Um, it is a little bit tourist trap, but, you know, you are a tourist. So I am a tourist. Back. I lean in. I lean into being a tourist. <laughs> um, how's your? I've actually been to York in years, but it is, it's like... It would be known among people in the north of England as being like the nice north. It is really beautiful here. And I think that's probably been my observation of my time in the UK so far. So I've spent a little bit of time in Leeds. I'll be going back there later and some time in York. It is really beautiful here. And these are probably places I wouldn't have come to unless there was a rugby league world cup or an event. So I'm really thrilled I'm here. York is really beautiful. Cobbled streets. You can walk along the wall. Basically, history around every corner that you walk, and we're staying really central, so we're able just to walk everywhere. After doing uh, 10 days of pretty solid eating uh, in Cyprus, it's nice to start getting those step counts up. <laughs> well, I have to say, the beauty of it all is somewhat lost when you're, instead of being based in York, you're based in Rochdale, <laughs> as I am, <laughs> and then spend a lot of your time on the side of a flyover where the kangaroos are training. So, Maybe I haven't had the same experience, but I tell you, I was I went after Kangaroo Australia. I went to play golf yesterday, up on Wormsley, which is uh sort of behind Rochdale and, and Bury, and unbelievable views. First, actually, the weather's not been not too bad, but really good weather, and um, yeah, beautiful. Could see the whole city of Manchester whilst I'm playing golf. Only ruined by the fact that there is a chicken farm, so the stench was was pretty <laughs> pretty unbelievable. Um, but yeah, chat to Mal Meninga, then go and uh, go play some golf. What a time to be alive! I'm um, glad you got some time off, Mike. Yeah, that, this is literally that. I reckon that's the first full afternoon off that I've actually had in a long time. <laughs> so good, it's good. good. Um, well, actually, it wasn't completely an afternoon off because I went straight home from that to watch. The start of the Wheelchair World Cup, which began yesterday UK time. Um, did you get to see it? Yeah, I did. No, I definitely saw it. I think, Mike, just as a general observation, what I've loved the most about the wheelchair tournament so far is how united it's made rugby league fans. I've seen nothing but positive commentary. Everyone is really excited about it. 
And as someone that has been to watch wheelchair rugby before, which is known as murder ball, I was not surprised. But I think um, for people that are watching it for the first time, it can be a little bit confronting, a little bit epic and just incredible respect to these athletes that they really put their bodies on the line in a way very different to um, the able-bodied athletes. Oh, yeah, right. I'll give you the analogy that I thought of, right? So I, I have seen wheelchair rugby league before and I had the fortune of sitting next to my dad who has coached Rochdale Hornets wheelchair for several years. So he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, but my thought on it was many years ago, this is a long time ago, many years ago I was living in Germany with a girl called Sofia from Portugal who had never seen rugby league before. And I was watching a whole derby on telly on like on a stream whatever and after 20 minutes um travis burns who's playing for all kr went off injured and she asked what is he doing and i said oh he's going off injured and she said how long how did it take 20 minutes for someone to get injured in this <sighs> and, and basically that's how i felt about wheelchair rugby league i was like how are these people not getting injured? this seems oh. like the most dangerous thing i've ever seen like careering into each other and then seriously to be able to play with that dexterity and skill while still having someone essentially in a mo- like a dodgem trying to smash into you with a chair is ridiculous to me. And like the sound when the chairs collide. I remember what? the first time I heard that sound and just thinking, oh, my gosh, should this really be happening? But, oh, it's, it's really something special. And I'm so glad that the three tournaments are happening concurrently so people can see it for the first time potentially. Yeah, I knew. I have to say, it's not the first time I'd seen it because I'd done some research before. But it's the first time I'd watched the game live as as it was actually happening, mm. and um, as was like, clearly the case for a lot of people because it was at one point it was one of the top trending topics yes. on Twitter in the UK above the fact that Man United and Arsenal were playing at the same time, and it was live on BBC Two, and you could tell it was like one of those moments where, like, I actually tried to turn off like the algorithm on Twitter to see if it wasn't just my. Rugby uh-huh. League bubble, but it was just people all over talking about it um, because it was live on BBC Two. This is exactly why, which I think people outside the UK probably don't appreciate, is that the reason that that TV deal matters so much is because people just sit down and watch BBC, whatever's on it. And if you put Rugby League on it, they suddenly watch it and go, this is amazing. And I think there's always been this myth in Rugby League that the sort of, if you build it, they will come, which you only have to get people in front of Rugby League and they'll love it. But I feel like Rugby League people felt that as well last night because most of us haven't seen Wheelchair yeah, Rugby League. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, and England won. Beat Australia, yes. which is good. Always love to see. Um, Jack Brown, he's my new favourite guy. He was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I, I, amazing story as well. Guy was playing, he actually coaches the Queens of Maroons. Look how I said Maroons, I'm now Australian. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Albanese. He coaches the, the Queensland team and was coaching, was playing against his own players for um, for England. How good was that? That was pretty epic and he did put in a stellar performance. And I think um, for all the English fans out there, it's extremely positive given that we've now got the England wheelchair team looking very solid, the England women and also the England men. Yeah, and it's it's underrated. We've mentioned on this podcast before during this tournament that English people love a bandwagon. So um, it's wheeling home, I believe they're saying. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I think actually, um, not to change, not to segue already, but it, it ties in, I think, to the conversation that happened in the press conference following the Australia Cook Islands game. Oh, she's Cook a Islands... pro. She's a pro. Segway <laughs> in. And even better, you're starting at the end of the game. <laughs> so I, 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 I really am, so we can go backwards. 
Uh, where the Cook Islands coach made some commentary about the pools and the Cook Islands being included in the same pool as Australia and New Zealand, whereas on the other side you have England, France, Canada and Papua New Guinea, which is, you would say, the easier pool. But I think we all know the reason why the pools have been organised that way. It's to give the home country the best chance of reaching that final. Yeah, and I, I only my only issue with him was really that this happens in most tournaments. Like the Football mm. World Cup is going to start in a couple of weeks. Qatar, who are probably the worst ranked team in the tournament, get ranked first because they're the host. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit, you know, everybody everybody kind of accepts that that is how it's meant to work. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I, it doesn't worry me so much. But then, look, I, I could easily see a world in which England were put in with New Zealand. There's only two groups. So if England are ranked first because they're the host and Australia are ranked second because they're, the you know the best team mm. but i think australia might have been ranked third so it's possible they could have been put in the same group um because obviously, obviously i haven't played any games whereas the kiwi ferns have played a game as of england so again it could just be the fact that it, cook islands are the unlikely and unfortunate recipients of bad luck because of other team other teams not playing games aka the jillaroos and I think, Mike, that's the unfortunate reality of this Rugby League World Cup that we're in, that the rankings and the standings are a little bit out of whack. You can blame COVID, but you can also potentially say that in Australia, particularly when it comes to the men's game, I feel like there's been a lack of appetite for that international competition when it comes to the kangaroos. Yeah, look, Australia could have easily organised a scratch game against Samoa have got an entirely, or at the time, mm. go, at the start of the tournament, had an entirely NRL squad, but I think one player. They could have organised a scratch game against Tonga, or, you know, who all live in Australia. Like, they were all in Southeast Queensland last year at the end of the year. So they could have, if they'd have suitably been inclined to organise these games, they could have done, but chose not to. So my sympathy levels don't run enormously deep when it's <laughs> to do it with France and various other teams. You know, the Netherlands, who are completely amateur, managed to put teams out against Germany and go to a tournament in Turkey and play against the Czech Republic and Malta. Like, it would, the, where there was a will, there was a way. And Absolutely. there clearly wasn't a will. Although I do feel for the Jillaroos, because I feel the Jillaroos have, have been good global citizens over the years in a way that the uh, the Kangaroos haven't. Um, I, it was interesting, just to go back to the wheelchair, because the wheelchair Australians here, the Wheelaroos, they had no idea how good they were because they hadn't been able to play against anybody else whereas England have played France a million times correct so in Australia for those of you that don't follow the wheelchair game too closely there is a state of origin every single year and I've attended a couple of wheelchair competition in Australia is very different to what we're seeing over here in England and Mike as you've mentioned France is the best team in the world and we are yet to see them play at all Yes, I'm very excited. It's apparently sold out in Sheffield tomorrow. Some people were trying to find out. I was considering going to Sheffield because um, I'm going to Leeds. Uh, so I could have Huddersfield tomorrow. I could have done some mad Yorkshire round trip to go to, um, to go to Sheffield. But I will be there for the final, definitely, if not again before. I'm going to try and work this out. Um, you got to the press conference of the Jillaroos. Let's talk I about do. the game of the Jillaroos. Now, I only saw the first half of this because I had to go out. But um, they, looked, they looked pretty good. Cook Isles didn't look too bad. I thought Cook Isles looked pretty good as well. Look... Oh, what to say, Mike? So the Jillaroos were absolutely dominant. You can see that by the 74-0 scoreline. I would say that the Cook Islands looked reasonable, but the unfortunate reality about this Australian Jillaroos team for other competing nations, it's not an unfortunate reality for them, is that the team is so strong 
And because of the the NRLW, there's essentially depth in every single position. If you think about the players that didn't play against the Cook Islands, you've still got Emma Tonegato to come into the squad. You've still got the likes of Jessica Sergis, Keely Brown, Talisha Harden. And, I mean, we'll talk about Sammy Bremner because she was absolutely exceptional in this game. And just an athlete that I'm in awe of. I mean, she broke her leg two days out from the 2017 Rugby League World Cup. She's had two children. She's played in the NRLW. She returned to the NRLW for the Sydney Roosters after having her second child for the 2022 season. There were some that were worried about how she would come back, but I would say along with Racine McGregor was the Roosters' best player. But you think about the position that Sammy plays in, there are at least that could easily have filled that position. We know that Bovetti Welsh is injured. We know that Corbin Baxter is pregnant. There's also Tamika Upton, there's Emma Tonegato, and there's Sammy Bremner. So to see just that, I think is going to make it very, very difficult for any of the other countries to match it with Australia. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of, that's going to be the issue is that 74-0 might, by the end of the tournament, look like quite a good performance. Yes. <laughs> because when Australia starts putting on the best possible team it could put on, it's it's going to be difficult. I mean, I watched the... Um, the Kiwi Ferns before and they looked great and you just thought, yeah, but when they play Australia, what's going to happen? Like the Kiwi Ferns are perfectly good. Like in, in a normal world, you would be like, these are a really good team. Yeah. It will be a really good tournament for them. And then you go, yeah, but at some point they're going to have to play Australia and Australia will be so far ahead that it won't that's, even be funny. Like, That's right. And, and Brad Donald spoke about it after the game because I asked him about, you know, squad management, every decision that he is making about who is playing every game, the minutes that every player is playing, that is part of a plan because his view is that it's going to take the whole squad to win the World Cup and he's very carefully going to manage his players given that four-day turnaround. But, Mike, you, you touched on the Kiwi Ferns. They played France and they beat them 46-0. I actually want to shout out to the French team because 46-0 is a big scoreline, but I really thought that the French went with the Ferns, particularly in those first 20 minutes. And there's also been a decision to play the full 80 minutes for the women's game rather than, say, the 70 minutes that are played in the NRLW in Australia and also a decision to play the six again. So I think these score lines are not particularly flattering and I also think that we're going to start seeing those blowouts in the last 20 minutes. That's when the score lines really start to add up because that's when fatigue starts setting in. Yeah, I think that's... That might be something that we look back on and say that we probably have got wrong. But obviously, we we know why they're doing it in terms of the, the, the interesting parity between the various tournaments. Um, but I think if you've been playing 70 minutes all year in the NRLW, I'm, I have to say I'm not entirely sure if it's 70 or 80 in the Super League women's. But I th- yeah, I think that could be the issue just because there is a wide... We've seen it in the men's as well where there is the full-time players and the not full-time players. Mm-hmm. Obviously that there's fewer full-time players in general in the women's game. So you're going to, you're going to end up with teams of like Brazil who are, or actually Brazil was a bad example because they were really, really fit. Um, but you know, there's going to be teams where there is an entirely full-time Australian team who's just going to destroy, absolutely yeah. destroy somebody. And that's, you know, I, I, I think the optics of parity might, might be overweighed by the optics of scoreline, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I suppose. I mean, even if you look at that, um, that Kiwi Ferns versus France game, it took until the twenty-third minute for Madison Bartlett to score for the Kiwis' first try. 
yeah, yeah, and then they're suddenly running loads. And we saw that, you know, we saw that with um, France and Greece. We saw that with Ireland and Jamaica. It mm-hmm. took a, it, when you had a, you know a full time team against a not full time team. It took a while, and they could go with it for a bit because the skill level and the physicality is there. But it's the physicality over time. You know, I don't think it's actually. I don't think it's like lung capacity. I think it's taking constant contact for that amount of time. It's just so tiring. Yeah, certainly. And, and the uh, the bigger bodies and so on. You know, I always think it's if you if I, I lift weights and if you lift weights all the time, obviously you get stronger. But I have to sort that around my life. That isn't the only thing that I do in my life. Whereas if I was a freshman rugby league player, running around at 110 kilos of pure muscle is basically the point. So. I know we played, I played against once for Amsterdam Cobras against the British Army team, and it was like that. It wasn't that they were necessarily better than us, but they were just so much stronger all the time. And we just eventually got tired and they were by loads. And so, I yeah. think, yeah, I think, Mike, the reality is in that first round, there were a couple of blowout scores. We'll talk about England in a moment. The closest game, though, really was the one between PNG and Canada, which I know you were at and I was also at with the Orchids winning 34 points to 12. I loved this game. This is Me exactly too. what I come to Rugby League World Cups for because starting off, I was like, I have no idea what is going to happen here. <laughs> Anything could happen. They could both be rubbish. They could be both be great. They could One could be amazingly better than the other one. Um, and it was such a clash of styles. I just thought it was such an interesting, you know, the PNG girls and the Canadian girls have just developed Rugby League and the Brazilians actually have developed Rugby League in complete isolation of each other pretty much. They never played each other. In fact, I think I'm not sure Canada and PNG, they've played at a Rugby League World Cup before, but I think Brazil and um, PNG, who will play on Saturday afternoon in Hull, have never played any sport before. <laughs> like yeah. Literally any sport ever. So you don't even have, oh, you know, the soccer teams went well or whatever. Um, I don't want to see Brazil against PNG at soccer if you want to get a blowout. Um, but yeah, and it was such an interesting clash because the the Canadian girls, I thought, were really physical Really, really physical. In fact, uh, have I told you about the um, the great golden boot mystery? There Tell me. Boot mi- so both you and myself are on the panel that decides the team of the tournament, the golden boot for the women's. And so we every game we pick out sort of a one, two, three of who we thought was good. Uh, some of us are doing it for both teams. Some of us are doing it just for the whole game. Um, the best player on Canada's team didn't have a number. <laughs> so I think she, we think she got cut on her head and therefore had to change a jumper and oh. then played for 70 minutes without a jumper and we were like this girl with no numbers really good but we don't know who she is was it so, Megan Pakulas? I don't know did you was the one with her? We, we generally don't know I'm gonna have to go back and watch the tape because I do remember somebody going for a HA at some point which I think was the woman who got her um jumper yeah so if you can work out who that was that would be very good because she was very good and she's getting a vote in the golden boot um but yeah, I so here's here's my tactical take on this game, right? When when Canada had to chase the game in the second half, I think they went because it was only eight six at half time and it finished thirty two twelve. I think Canada, who have a predominantly rugby union player base, went back to playing rugby union tactics pretty unsuccessfully. And I thought they were brilliant at getting to within 10 metres of the line, but they didn't have that little bit of guile or nous to get over the line. Whereas PNG, like if you run hard and straight at PNG, they'll love that. Like that's that's what they live for. So um yeah, I just thought there was that little they, if they'd have had maybe more games of rugby league or like one 
really good rugby league halfback, that might have been the difference. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair summation, Mike. So talk to Megan Pakoulis after the game. She's one of, I think, Canada's stars. And they are actually playing rugby union and rugby league at the same time. So it's a very different situation to what we see in Australia where the seasons are very separate and we get a couple of the Super W players coming across, like Grace Hamilton, for example. They're playing the two at the same time, which is tricky. They haven't had a lot of time together as a team. So it doesn't surprise me that they sort of reverted back to what was more familiar. Um, I, I was pretty impressed. Another interesting little snippet of information is that the Ravens' next game is against England on Saturday UK time. Uh, at the same time, well, not at the same time because of time differences, but Canada will also be playing England in the Women's Rugby Union World Cup, which is currently happening in New Zealand. I hope I've got that stat right, but that's what I think is happening. No, that is true. I looked that up. Um, I, I looked that up because Canada are really good at rugby union. At yes, they are. They are. Um, yes. And uh, I've led to believe England are, but I mean, that's I'm sure true. they all went, to, I'm sure they all went to rich girls' schools rather than rich boys' schools, so I don't really <laughs> care. Um, but yeah, on PNG, we love PNG. I, I obviously, our mutual friend Joanna Lester is their media manager, so we're always very pro PNG. Um, but I thought they were really good. Martha Maloya, who was their fullback, very, very good. Um, and of course, I mean, Elsie Albert is incomparable. She was every minute she was on the field, she was. I saw some stat that she was like taking a hit up or making a tackle about once every 30 seconds that she was on the field. Wow. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. She is an absolute machine. Biggest calves I have ever seen on a human. Um, and also very lovely. Spoke to her for an interview a couple of weeks ago. Lovely, lovely woman. So, um, yeah, she, she, you can tell what a leader she is within that team. And then you just throw in all these other sort of sprinkle of just pure footballers that come out of PNG. I definitely want to talk about Martha a little bit more, though, before we move on to talking about England. So for those of you that don't know, Martha made her debut, as Mike said, as fullback. Uh, her father was a kumul. So Martha and her father become the first ever father-daughter, Judah, father-daughter duo to represent PNG in, uh, in rugby league and also the first, I think, father-daughter duo to represent PNG in sport. After the game, she spoke very emotionally about how it was her dream and her father's dream for her to represent her country. And there was a really beautiful moment at the end as well where she said, every little girl growing up in PNG wants to be Elsie Albert. I think I squeaked at that point in the press conference. I'm not the most professional journalist, but uh, that, that was incredible. And I think when we talk about the Orchids, that was their first win in a Rugby League World Cup and incredible. They played very well and it's clear how much the squad's developed over five years but they really are changing the face of PNG and it's it's just a delight to watch. So congrats to everyone involved and, and yeah, shout out to our friend Joe Lester who's been such an integral part of that journey. Yeah, I, I have to say that he's very I'm very biased to this. I did the same in the men's Pacific test and um in this game as well. As soon as they score a try, I just look down at the bench because Joanna is updating the Facebook because this yes. is how people in PNG consume nudes. And I just look down at Joanna and she does like a really cute sort of little jump and clap of her hands. And I was like, oh, Joanna. Um, but yeah, great, 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 great stuff. Wonderful game. Lots of people t- stayed around as well to watch it because there was, what, there was something like eight or 9,000 on for the England uh, mm-hmm. game, which was, which was, Obviously, it was two o'clock in the afternoon, so there was a lot of um, school kids, which is great to see. Uh, lots of those kids, obviously, you know, I, I can remember going to these sort of events and being it's the most exciting thing you've ever seen when you're that age. Um, 
there was also one of the school groups stayed for both games. I can only assume they've got a Canadian or, or Papua New Guinean teacher or something, or they just had nowhere else to be. But there was one group of school kids who stayed for the whole time and watched both games, which I thought is a long afternoon out, but um, what an afternoon. Uh, so on that, before we go into England 72, Brazil 4, um, I've got a bone to pick with your esteemed partner, Jimmy. Tell me. Jimmy, he goes to get, he's a very enthusiastic man. He's also a very large man, um, height-wise. And he, as we were walking around from where the media zone is in the south stand to the posh seats in the north stand, you walk past all the kids. And I, I don't know if I had told you this at the time, but Jimmy was dancing in front of the kids, um, revving them up. And the teachers must have been looking and going, who on earth is this man? I wish he'd stop. It's so difficult to corral this many children at any given time. And then this bloke who's just winding them up. And I thought it's like when I'm, you know, when you're about to go to bed and if you have a dog and then you start messing around with the dog, my partner will say, don't rev up the dog. We want him to go to sleep. And that was basically Jimmy, but with about 50, 50 you know, 12 year olds. Yeah, pretty much. He's having the time of his life. He is having the time of his life. And, uh, we are, of course, heading to Huddersfield, Uddersfield, sorry, tonight to watch the kangaroos. And, and you know, he, he's like a kid in a candy store. He can't wait. Will he be wearing clothes? Will he be wearing a single and short? Oh, like, I can't reveal at this stage what the plan is for the kangaroos, <laughs> Mike. People will have to tune into my Twitter feed to see what happens. Or do as I do. And just, if you want to, if you want to ever find Mary Constantopoulos, you just ask Jimmy to stand up. Yeah, basically, that's exactly right. He's very, very useful in several regards, but particularly that one. Um, right, and so we should uh, we should talk about England against Brazil because you two you had a little a little present on the morning of the game, did you not? Yes, we did. So, uh, as many people know, Jimmy and I are big fans of Amy Hardcastle, and we've been friends with Amy for I would say the last four years. So she came and visited us at our hotel in Leeds the day of the game to present us with our England jerseys with her name on the back, and we were we were really thrilled to be wearing them. Amy took a little while to get into the game, but I thought she was one of England's best on the day, as well as Courtney Winfield-Hill, who is just such a classy player. Come back to the NRLW, Courtney. She was so good, hey? She just a couple of the old, uh, just the little jinx at the line. It, it reminded me of a uh, of a young Mike Wood running around in the Amsterdam competition. <laughs> did it? Did it? Yeah, well, the only difference is, is that I would make that little jink, occasionally break the line, and then absolutely panic because I realised that someone might tackle me and I was a scared. <laughs> but she's so, she's so small, like slight, compared to, to other players, but it's all going on, you know, it's what we would say, the playing in a dinner jacket, you know, she's just a couple of steps ahead in her brain, and I really hope that we get to see England play against against the Kiwi first of the Jillaroos so we can see that, you know, as she grows into the tournament. Because I have to say, I was so impressed with England. After taking a couple of years out of watching the Women's Super League live, to see the development. And my, my great fear, as, as I've mentioned to you before many times, was that Australia would have moved on at light speed, whereas England have moved on at some speed. And the gap would have got absolutely massive and they might lose, you know, 70 nil. But I don't know. Watching them play on Tuesday afternoon, I thought they actually looked, they looked a lot better than I had seen them previously, which, you know, I, I, I don't really know how good they are going to be compared to Australia now. I don't think they'll be as good, but they'll be pretty good. I think that's going to be the really crucial test for England to see how they match up against the Kiwi Ferns and Australia. I know that England has worked really hard. These women look fit. They look ready. They're enthused. 
and I know that several of them play together in the Women's Super League. Uh, they looked really good against Brazil, a team that really haven't had the opportunity to come together as much. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what the gap looks like. I think there still is a gap, but I, I don't know how big or how small that gap is at the moment. Yeah, and uh, shout out to, um, well, I've got a shout out to Vicky Molyneux because she was in the year above me at school, who I thought was very good when she came off the bench. I think she got uh, an unnamed person that may or may not be my father gave her a golden boot point, but I'm not sure if that used that specifically because he was <laughs> a PE teacher, because he used to teach a teacher PE. Um, which I think he did. If she went to school at the same time as me, he would have got a PE. Um, and uh, you met Paige Travers afterwards, also from Rochdale, not playing there. But um, Grace Field, the prop forward, scored a great try. Unbelievable. Uh, bit, the big man in space, or big woman in space, clapped yes. on the play and when she ran through. And I only mention her because every, I love her name, because uh, Grace Field was the, was the most famous person from Rochdale. He was a, a Hollywood star in the 1930s. There, there you go. go. Um, on the other side, Brazil. Uh, so I, 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 I've thrown out my theory on this, which is actually uh, NRL journalist Brad Walters' theory. But I think Brazil looked, if you look at them physically, they look as good as the Jillaroos. Like, they're so, they're such Athletic. athletes. Mm. They've come from, you know, martial arts backgrounds, handball, um, obviously rugby union playing the sevens in the Olympics and um, all of this good stuff. And I just think they, obviously they're still learning the game, which at times was a little bit, you could, you know, you could tell that, but I think watching them play against PNG, where it's almost the opposite where PNG are just, you know, the athletic standard might not be as high, but the pure football standard is much higher. It could be a pretty good game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I agree, Mike. I really do. I think it's going to be exciting and I'm looking forward to some of these more developing nations coming up against each other. And then, as I said, again, England coming up the likes of the Ferns in Australia, just to see, just to get a better understanding of what that landscape looks like. Yeah, and a big shout out. My, my personal favourite was the, she played in the wing, number 22, Edna Santini, who was absolutely tiny woman and she laid out, I think it was Amy Highcastle, she mm-hmm. absolutely laid her out with a super tackle in the first half. And I thought, how, how has someone that size done that to someone who's as strong and powerful as Amy Harcastle is? So big shout out to her. She was getting some points off me. And um, the, who was the 14? She was really good as well. The 14 was Giovanna Bath. She scored. She was excellent too. This is the bit where you tell me how many, how many Brazilians you love. Oh, okay. Sorry, Mike. I wasn't waiting for that cue. I absolutely was not ready for that. That's totally okay. Uh, Natalia Momberg, she's my favourite. She gave a beautiful, uh, she scored a beautiful try, Brazil's first points in that Rugby League World Cup. And it was, it was really exciting to see the team get around her. And then also Maria Graf, who uh, is the captain and joined us for the press conference afterwards. It means a lot to these Brazilian women to be at this Rugby League World Cup. And I think they're going to improve as the tournament goes on and as they're given the opportunity to play more together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, I think Rob Bergen has been on the Marco Carboni-hosted version of Chasing Kangaroos before. No he doubt. Very, he's, if he's not, he should have been because he is Mr. International Rugby League, even more than Cards is. He's, he's, um, I think he's team manager for Brazil, but he was, um, yeah, he was pretty happy with it after the game in terms of not so much in terms of the performance because I think he thought they could have done better than they did but um, and I think the, the key thing was that the Brazilian girls were devastated to have lost by that much because they thought that you know they, they you don't just want people who are happy to be there you know I think one of yeah. the viral moments of the, yeah. of the men's tournament has been Ashton Golding where oh, everyone yes. sort of says how, how good is it that Jamaica are there and he's not happy because they lost you know that's what you want you want 
both of those emotions to be present at the same time. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, I think I won't actually be able to see Brazil against PNG because we shall be at England against uh, the, 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 who they play PNG, also PNG. Um, but yeah, Brazil against Canada next week should be really interesting game. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, we have to talk about some men's football. Uh, we're going to batter through this, I think, because a lot of the games are quite one-sided with teams sort of, you know, the good teams are kind of getting into a groove and the bad teams are already out. Um, PNG smashed Wales. We don't need to talk too much about that because I didn't see it. Uh, Samoa against France. Uh, did you see this? Were you still in Cyprus? It's uh, still in Cyprus, Mike. And unfortunately, the village, the village, the, that's village, <laughs> I can't even say it. That's a combination of village and Wi-Fi uh, is not particularly good. <laughs> So when you, you text me this, we tried to get you on the podcast last week to do a little preview of the Women's World Cup, and you text me saying the village Wi-Fi wasn't very good, and I thought you meant the that you were in the village hotel because oh. that's a, a major chain of hotels. No, no, I didn't no. Realize you I were... mean a very, very remote village in Cyprus where the, <laughs> the bells of the church would wake me up every morning. Oh, that's very nice. That sounds it was, yes. It was lovely. I'm sure idyllic is a Greek word if you think about it. Um, all right. Well, I was there. I was there somewhere against France. Um, I'll give you, if do you want a metaphor? Yes, always. Very late in the day, uh, Samoa kicked through. It looked like it was going to go dead. It then took a terrible bounce and didn't go dead, which meant that Artemog had to pick it up. He then weaved through two defenders and then immediately ran into Junior Valo, who laid him out. And I thought, oh. I thought a combination of bad luck and bad choices is. And some very good Samoan play is a uh, is a quite a good metaphor for this game because sixty four sixty two to four was I think an unfair scoreline on France. France lost uh, Morgan Escaré, their fullback. They lost um, Arthur Romano in the first half, and then Sami Soni Langi, the the centre on the same edge. I think he didn't come out for the second half, or they lost him in the first minute of the second half. So they were already they were playing off fifteen. They'd already lost their eighteenth man, and obviously Samoa decided that this was the day where they were gonna. Show up. Brian Toto was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Tim Lafay, very good as well. So it was a combination of, of Samoa playing really well, but also everything that could have gone wrong for France did go wrong. They released a long statement on, um, which I was going to translate for the uh, for the, the Raw Rugby League News column. And I thought, ah, I can't be bothered. It's too... But they were, they left to let put out a long statement saying how upset they were at their own performance and it's got to get better, which it does have to get better. but um, although they did also say we've still got women and, and wheelchairs in the tournament, so go France. But um, I think they weren't great, but there was a lot of things that went against them, m- most of which was the fact that Samoa were really, really good. Um, do you want to, uh, we, you know, we love pronunciation chat as well. Yes. So whoever was doing the, the PA uh, at Warrington had, had done their research onto the Polynesian names. Um, but unfortunately, despite the fact that they will have almost certainly studied French at school, completely butchered all the French ones. Oh. And I thought, like, the Catalans and Toulouse have played here twice already this year, including all of these players. Like, the French bit you'd think would be the relatively easy bit for people who learn French in school up until a certain age. I'm sure she failed her GCSE French, put it that way. She kept, she, she kept pronouncing Mathieu Laguerre as... Matthew Laguerre, and I thought you'd been on Laguerre before you read these out. Um, she also had Gadwin Springer, rather than Gadwin Springer, inventing an eye that didn't exist. And I, I just thought, you know, 
how do you like your Gadwins? I oh, just, I'd like my Gadwin to be a bit springier if possible. <laughs> um, all right, well, no, we'll batter through. We got uh, Tonga beat the Cook Islands. That was by a lot. I didn't see it because I was watching Samoa against France. Uh, Lebanon beat Jamaica. Again, watching Samoa against France, so I didn't see it. Uh, although, actually, Lebanon looked great. I watched that. I, well, I've actually watched the highlights, but Lebanon looks so good. Cannot wait for them to play the Kangaroos tomorrow night. Uh, Australia beat Italy. I was at that game in St. Helens. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't see that. No, I didn't, Mike. Sorry. I'm, again, village Wi-Fi. Village Wi-Fi. Uh, how do you describe it? Um, Australia were good. Italy Italy had a real good crack, actually. And um, Leo Epifania, friend of this podcast, I had a little chat with him afterwards. And he was sort of... They're obviously upset to lose, but they're not, as his words were, we're not delusional about where Italy stands in relation to Australia in the rugby league world. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was most impressive about them was that they really had a crack. Like, there's no point playing five drives of the kick if you've got a load, of, you know, if you're going to lose and you've got to get a load of guys who play in the second grade in Australia or, or the championship in England or Jody Cellarino who played, plays, you know, he's born and raised in Italy. Like, do you want those guys to try and keep the score 40 nil, or do you want to have a crack and actually try and score some points? So, absolute fair play to Italy for doing that. That was, you know, I think everybody got what they wanted out of that game. Uh, Australia now has picked a team, so that whole storyline has disappeared, thank Christ. Um, hmm. Fiji, uh, Scotland, I did not see because I was um, on, on a series of very long trains to get to St. Helens from Rochdale. I did see England against Greece, uh, 94-4, <laughs> that was a bit of a bash-up, but Greece, again, same thing. They have a bloody crack. They have a mm-hmm. crack. I'm sure that was all over the television in Cyprus. Yeah, I saw little bits of it. I actually saw the first Greece try and thought maybe we're on here, but uh, unfortunately, it was the only try. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, yeah, if you turned off then, you thought it was oh, did it really well. Like, yeah. Let's not, let's not talk about the next hour. Um, but yeah, I think Greece, That's we've told that story a hundred times, but it's such an important story that they're what's happening now and can only go from strength to strength. And I really hope they do. Uh, less said the better about my beautiful, beautiful boys losing um, 48-10 to, to New Zealand. Um, but although I will say, please, Robert Hicks, right, send off Jared Weir Hargraves and give us a game. There was a shocking tackle. It should have been a red card. Um, and I'm not bitter about it at all. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. We're back to the start. Good effort, everybody. That was a million games of rugby league football rinsed through, um, which gives us, we'll just do a quick look forward because we have... You'll get the kangaroos tomorrow. Are you excited to see Lebanon play? Yes, I'm very excited to see Lebanon and Mitch Moses play. Can't wait to get to Uddersfield for that one. Um, brilliant. Well, I reckon we could do a little meeting outside. Are you going to go to the George Hotel? That's the plan, but I'm spending some time with the Jillaroos this afternoon. So we will. I will let you know what time I get there and uh, can have the photo at the, at the birthplace of Rugby League. Yeah, and then there could be a fish and chips in it for Jimmy. I don't know why we're doing on-air on air admin, but if if Jimmy wants to go, I'm sure you as well, you'd be welcome to fish and chips. So I think as a as a, as a Greek person, you'll probably poo-poo uh, no, no, English no, no, no. selling a fish. I have to do it. Yeah, let's, I'm going to hit up uh, uh, AAP's George Clark, Huddersfield native, or near Huddersfield native, and see where the best fish supper in. Yeah, let is. us know. Let us know. And... Um, and you're going to England against PNG and England against Canada on Saturday, are you not? Oh, I'm not sure what we're doing, Mike. For those of you who haven't been following, and you probably haven't, there are big train strikes in the UK at the moment, and one of them is on Saturday, which is going to make travelling around very hard. So we'll see where we get to on Saturday. 
Yeah, you could. I mean, it's a good day in front of the telly because you could watch all four games back to back. Did that, which I believe I have been lampooned on chasing Jill Roos for doing. So I was. <laughs> <laughs> so the shoe is very much on the other foot here. Um, I yeah, I fortunately, uh, my dad wants to go to England against uh, PNG. I don't know if he's going to London's game actually, but I hope he is because I would like to go earlier too. In fact, I might be going on the train now. I've just thought about it. I'm doing on our, on our admin again. We will work this out. We will we'll work, work this out. This out. You know, by the time you hear this, it won't matter. Uh, all right, seed the floor. Sunday, Samoa against Tonga in Warrington. This is what. The National Rugby League lives for, right? It is. It, it sure is. And I'm, I'm disappointed I won't get to that one. But uh, hopefully I can watch that one on the telly as well. That is going to be such a good game. And then you will be at the Gillaroos on Sunday night. And they are playing France. That's correct. Looking forward to that one. Trey B. And are you going to... It's in York, right? Yes, it's in York. It's in York. So you should be there doing all the good stuff, which you can read just for the... Per- oh, wheelchair as well. We do have wheelchair on... Friday. Oh, actually, I guess we'll do another podcast before then. If we don't, there's wheelchair on Friday. France actually in action against. Oh no, Friday's today. France on at eleven a.m. It's ten thirty-nine. Yes. It's ten yes. thirty-nine. Right. I'm going to go and watch France against Wales. Uh, brilliant. Okay, brilliant. I'm going to go make some breakfast and watch that. Superb. See stuff. you at Huddersfield tonight. Yes, yes, yes. Rendezvous at the George Hotel. It will be eighteen ninety-five all over again. Um, do you, you understand how this dynamic of this podcast works? So you're the one who has to say. Thanks for chasing Gila Rungaroos. <laughs> Thanks for chasing. <laughs> How do I say Gila Kangaroos? Gila Wheeler Roos. Gila Wheeler Gangaroos. There we go. Thanks for chasing with us, everyone. We'll catch you all soon. <laughs>